Were there any ones on there? Okay, so um, I had asked Brian, our deacon over prayer, if I could take the prayer time today. Just um, I hesitate to do that just because I don't like to be up here the whole time, and you get to hear me teach through Jonah here in a little bit. And um, but at the same time, I just felt led to um, by the Holy Spirit to just take some time and um, lead us into a time of personal repentance. And I'm going to read just a little portion out of Daniel chapter nine. Um, but before I do that, you know, it is, it is good and right that we pray for our politicians. It is good and right that we pray for our police officers. It is, there is no denying that we are in a crisis time in our country. Right? We just are. I mean, you just you watch the news or don't, and it just comes to you anyway. But guys, but, but understand this. Revival doesn't come to a nation. Revival doesn't come to a nation. It comes to a people. It comes to God's people. When we, when we read a passage like 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, which was God's people. Now the church, we are his people. And so for us, to, for us to pray for our nation and our leaders is not only right, but it's mandated in Scripture. For us to pray for those that are in places of power to protect us is not only right, but it is mandated in Scripture. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that this morning, and I encourage you to do that this morning as, as the mic goes around. But, but I, would a, I would ask us to start by praying revival comes not only to people, plural, but even to the church, like church-wide revival doesn't start with some plan or program in the church. We cannot plan revival. We're not going to have a revival conference here and say, this is the week we're going to experience the revival of God. Why? Because revival starts in a person, in a human heart. And, and too often, it is too easy for me and I'll just, to pray for for all those other things, the nation, our leaders, all those, like, those, those people, our church, and sort of, because frankly, it's easy to hide behind that. It's easy to hide behind, the, you know what, I'm going to take my time to pray for those people because those people need prayer, and they do. We all need, we need to pray for each other, and we'll have time during our prayer time to pray over each other. We need that, but don't hide behind that. Don't hide behind this idea that, that I'm going to just pray for those other, for other people because there's the potential that what you're doing is you're hiding your own junk from the Lord. You're feeling better about, yeah, I am praying and yeah, I'm seeking the Lord's counsel, but I'm not really being open to what, we would what he would have for me today. So I felt led to just lead us through a time of personal prayer. On your tables, I made sure that there were plenty of these white cards. So one of the ways you can respond during our time in prayer today or throughout the message or throughout, and throughout communion and throughout our time is you can, you can write what the Lord, the junk the Lord is giving you, 
You can write it on this card, and you can just keep it if you want, or you can come up and hang it on the cross and give it to him. He wants it. He died to take it. You, we're going to watch a little video here in just a minute, but, you're, but after that time, if, if you want somebody to pray for you and over you, you can raise your hand, and we'll come and pray over you for deliverance from some of the junk you put on your card. And you don't even have to tell us what it is. If, if you want to pray at your table with your people, if you want to pray, I'll, we'll have the mic. Because I, I want you to feel led to pray how the Spirit leads you. But I am going to press you a little bit to make your prayers personal. Right? This is, don't let anybody leave here without doing business at the cross of Jesus Christ. That has been my prayer for us this week. So I'm just going to read a short passage out of Daniel. We're going to watch an admittedly kind of long video, but um, I think you will find it to be powerful. And then that will lead us into our time of just uh, personal repentant prayer. So, so speaking of personal, here's Daniel. This, if, if there's a man in Scripture besides Jesus that doesn't appear to have sinned, we know he did because he's not perfect, but it's Daniel. And yet he opens up his prayer for repentance for his people and he says... I come to you this day for we have sinned and we have been wicked. Here Daniel puts himself in that place of going, I'm, I am guilty before you, Lord. He doesn't say they're guilty. He says we are guilty before you, Lord. And so then he says, so now we come to you as your, as your humble servants for your sake, O oh Lord. Let your face shine on this desolate sanctuary. Oh my God, incline your ear to my prayer. Open your eyes and see the desolation and the people who are called by your name. For I'm not presenting my supplication before you on account of any merit of my own, but on account of your great compassion. So Father, as we come to you now, um, I, Lord, I want to pray in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Spirit that he has sent that you would open our eyes, that you would rend our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would spend the next few minutes just being real, being real before you. There's nothing we can hide from you. Jonah is running from you, and he's trying to hide from you and, and, and from the presence of the Lord, and that's how he got himself into trouble. And so, Lord, I pray that none of us would do that, that we wouldn't start our time of worship this morning by hiding and running from you, but that we would run to you because... By, because of what Daniel just prayed, by your great power and mercy, you invite us to come. That your grace does not ever run out. That there is nothing that we could write down on a white card, that we could confess to our brothers or sisters. There's nothing that we could bring before you that you would not readily take from us and say, that's why I died. Now come enjoy the freedom that my grace brings you. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who remember that, that because Christ has set us free, we are free indeed. For the glory and the fame of your name, amen. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's one character that interrupts the narrative. I'm not so sure, but it's about to be a little bit wrong. 
in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is just gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a, a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the same and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? No, you won't! You're not 
I was um, sitting there, the passage that the Holy Spirit just told me for me, um, a well-known one, but it's one that we probably ought to say 
to ourselves more often than we do, and it's in Ephesians chapter 2. When you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the spirit of disobedience, among them you too formerly lived in the lust of your flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. It's the best words in the Bible. But, nothing without those two words. We are lost. We are hopeless. We are stone cold dead. But God, just because that's who you are, rich in mercy because of your great love Alive. Lord, may we never get tired of hearing that. And may we never come to some place where we don't feel like we need to hear that. The same gospel that brought us from death to life is the same gospel we need to live this life. We all stumble, we all fall, we all mess up. But God, your grace never runs out. You'll never shove us away. There's nothing we can do in the next few moments that are going to make you love us more. But there is nothing we can give to you that would make you love us less. Because that's who you are. So Lord, as we bring our junk to you and whatever that looks like for every soul in this room, I want to pray that the end result would be a cleansing of our hearts so that the Holy Spirit might indwell those innermost parts of our being. That as long as we're holding on to junk because for whatever our reasons, we're taking up space in our hearts where you want to dwell and rule and reign. So whether it be for the first time or for the hundredth time about the same struggle that we have. Let us just give it to you. And then let you fill that space that was just made. For the fame and the glory of your name. That we would not nullify the grace of God. In Jesus' name.
said, if, if you have something you want to share, you certainly can. I can bring you, I know this is a hard one. I get that it's hard to like, you know, I'm not asking anybody to openly confess their deepest, darkest sins unless you feel led by the Holy Spirit. Um, you can just sit at your table. You can write on your card. Um, you can just be still before the Lord. Father, for all the ones that suffer, I feel I suffer most out of just true, true uh, belief that why was I saved? Guilt has swarmed my body, my soul, for so many years. Through these last months with the family here at Cornerstone, I want to thank each and every family for just continuing to pray for myself, my lovely wife, Because I've been saved for a reason. I struggled for years with why was I saved and so many perished. After this weekend has uh, concluded, I stood out or sat outside this morning and I said, God, take all of me. Allow me to do your will, not mine. Continue to give me the strength to walk forward and the compassion that I have for others. And I don't need to be a first responder to do that. I just to be I just need to be loved by you. And thank you for taking and paying my debt. Everything that I am today is because of you. Never in my life did I believe I could come to this place. I love you, Jesus. Please take all of me. I am yours. I woke up this morning. I said, thank you, God, for another day clean. And the opportunity you've given me today to participate in my life, which isn't always fair. But I know I'm here for a reason. And I love my family. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, If you need prayer for something and you just want to have some people come pray for you, you could raise your hand. There are people near you, around you that will run over and uh, pray for you. You don't have to tell us what it's about. You can.
Psalm 113, verse 5 through 9 says, Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in earth, that are in heaven and in the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. God, we come to you this morning and, and we're a people just like Daniel that need to confess that it's us who have sinned. It's not you, Lord. It's, it, the confusion of faces belongs to us. We're a people that that give in too easily to selfishness. Jesus, we live in a culture that, that rejects you from the start and enhances and embraces self and everything that embodies the, the cultural relevance that we live in. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to live from the, free from the bondage of the chains of sin and selfishness. Would you come into our hearts? Holy Spirit, welcome in this place. Move among us. Remind us often, God, of your power and your faithfulness. You humble yourself to come down and view the things on the earth. And yet somehow you sent your son to save us. While we were in our sin, Lord, you, you came and saved us. I pray that we can live thankful lives. We can live lives like my brother just said. We don't deserve to be here. None of us deserve to be here. There was a time in all of our lives where we had no idea that we would confess you as our Savior. And yet we're here. And if there's someone here, God, that that is wondering of the worth of their life or the power of your life, would you speak clearly and speak to them today? Jesus, we give you our all. May that be the cry of every person here. We want to live for you. And, and, Lord, may it be more than just words, but may it be a change of life. Because we know that unless change takes place, change doesn't happen. It can't be just something we say. We love you, Lord. We want to honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's awesome. And all God's people said, remember what we're saying when we say amen is... I agree, so be it. Yes, Lord. Uh, Psalm 89, starting verse 13 says, uh, speaking of God, you have a mighty arm, strong as your hand, high your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the feast will shout. Who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all, all the day. In your righteousness are, and in your righteousness are exalted. 
for you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, your horn is exalted, for our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. And then in Psalm 91, it says, because he holds, this is God talking to, about mankind, it says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Lord, so many of our problems, uh, so many of our distractions, so much of our selfishness um, is is rooted in the in the in the fact that we don't know who you are, uh, Lord. So, I, they, a better way to say that is those those problems and those struggles that they become a lot smaller when we uh, interact with you, when we know you, when we seek you, when we hear you, when we realize that you're a God that doesn't stand far off. You incline your ear to us. You care about our needs. You care about the things that we care about, because you are a loving God. Um, you are our strength. Uh, Lord, I just pray that um, even, <laughs> Lord, I'm not just praying for people in here, I'm praying for me. I'm praying that uh, the doubt and discouragement that um, whether we see it from the news or whether we uh, we struggle with um, our job or whether we struggle if it's marriage, whatever it is, Lord, it's because we've taken our eyes off of you. And Lord, I just pray that today um, we would get back there, that we would uh, remember that we have full access to the throne room because of Jesus. And that we can ask you, hey, Lord, can you hear my prayer? Can you just, can you hear my prayer? Can you tell me again how much you love me? And Lord, help me to submit my will to your will. That's what I pray. Uh, Jesus, in your mighty name, amen. And all God's people said, amen. I was hoping we'd hear from some ladies. This morning as I was praying um, here, the Lord kept bringing John 8, 31 and 32 to mind. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make me free. And then he took me to Isaiah 43. You are precious in my sight. You are honored and I love you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. My servant who I have chosen in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Therefore, or before me, there was no God formed and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior before 
besides me. That is the truth that sets us free. Father God, I pray that we all understand you are God. And that Jesus, you gave your life for us so that we could die to self and surrender to you and live passionately for you and be your witnesses. And so, Father, if there's one here who does not know you and this truth, I pray right now, Lord, that you move. Holy Spirit, draw them to you so that they can understand this love that you have for us that is so precious that we are honored in your sight and be set free. Lord, we love you. In your name, amen. And all God's people said, amen. So I was raised in a Christian home and went to church three times a week, but it doesn't really matter if it doesn't make sense. And um, over the years, I've been asking and pleading with God to heal me, to free me. I'm not sure I really used the word free. I just looked for healing. Um, and then when God begins to do that to honor that, to say, yes, he's been doing it all along. Maybe I didn't see it, but uh, it doesn't look like what I expected it to look like. And I, I drag my feet, I turn away, I run away because I feel like he's not caring. He's not doing it, whatever it is. And made me think these last few weeks when, pe when people we don't know love on us and it's too hard to receive because there seems to be a um, massive disconnect in my brain and I'm trying to figure out what to make of that instead of saying, oh, oh, that's your yes answer to the cry of my heart for years. And I'm pushing back or I'm ignorant, literally just ignorant and incredulous that after 61 years of living in a church environment, I'm ignorant of certain facts that really would have been great to know a long time ago, but God has a time for everything and I think about, I have great faith. Uh, you could heal me of this thing, whatever the thing is, instantly, God. You have that ability. Why are you not doing it? But because the process is so precious to him. And um, And in September of... 2020, I believe it. I believe that he's going to do what he started 
I believe that the process and the um, struggle is like a chicken, a chick that's going to hatch and to facilitate that hatching sooner makes that chick weaker. God's delay in answering is making me stronger. And I am so thankful, so humbled, and so confused even still, but not so confused that I want to run away anymore. And there are people in this room that God has used. I thank God. I thank God that they're willing to sacrifice time for me and my family and that he's teaching us through what they've learned and it's making me stronger. So I have this from Isaiah 43. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a new way in this wilderness and the rivers in the desert. And boy, howdy. Um, he's doing a new thing in me and my family, and I'm thankful. Amen. Father, I just thank you for my sweet sister, Debbie. I thank you for this precious family, Lord. I thank you for the privilege of partnering with them in the gospel and, uh, Lord, for bringing them into your presence and our presence in this place. But I thank you for how the words you just gave to her are, are, are like almost word for word in the notes that you prepared for me for Jonah because, because what she just expressed, we all, we're all Jonah at some point. We're all wrestling and running from you in different areas of our lives. And so, Lord, I want to pray that as we continue to worship you and we continue to pray to you and we continue to learn about you, that we would run to you. Lord, that, that, we, wouldn't, um, that, that we wouldn't even just stay still, that we would be in a full-on sprint to our Savior. Um, because you say, come. You say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And you're going to find your soul rest in me and me alone. And I pray once again, as has already been prayed, Lord, that if there are people in this room that do not have that soul rest, that they don't know what it means to experience the peace of God. Not, it's not a, we know from the confessions in this room that it's not a every moment of every day thing. But if they've never tasted of that grace, Lord, I want to pray that today would be the day that they would drink deeply from the thing that you have done on the cross. But we commit the rest of this time to you now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I just want to encourage everybody that don't feel like prayer time was cut short because prayer time is still going. If the Lord puts on your heart to pray or read a scripture or anything, please come up and grab this microphone and, and we will stop for you, okay? Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart.
Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. in me Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you my one defense my righteousness oh God how I my song to rise to you when temptation comes in my way and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay yeah. Lord I My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. I cry by night and have no rest. Yet you are holy. You are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. And so, Father, we stand before you the only way we can because we can put our trust in a God who saves, in a Redeemer who 
pursues us with his grace. Lord, I thank you that we can come to you with our stuff and you hear. You not only hear, but you want to take it. You died to take it. Lord, I thank you that, that you were willing to forsake your son for a moment that you would never need to forsake us when we come to him and come to you through him. So Lord, now as, I, as we continue to worship you, I want to pray. I pray that we would be a people who understand that you are a God who delivers. There is no bondage in Christ. If we're free in Christ, we are free indeed. Lord, I pray that that is what would cause revival in our own hearts in this church, in your church. Lord, I pray for redemption next door that is meeting for the first time in months. I pray that you would do a great work in and through them this morning. That you would strengthen and encourage them. I pray for heritage that is on the other side of us this morning. As they gather in a small space, Lord, I pray that they would just feel the community that you have created for them. Lord, we are not competing people. We are on one mission, and that is a mission to tell people about a God who saves, about, about a God who will move heaven and earth to redeem his people for himself. We're excited for what you're going to do in this place this morning. We look forward to the ministry of your spirit here. And it's in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Now on 
shall return in power to reign. Heaven and earth will join to sing. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. Then who shall fall on bended Creatures of our God and King, oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, hallelujah, hallelujah, I just want to lift up your name right now, Lord. I need your peace. I need your patience and your strength. Amen. I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at his right hand Stands one who is my savior I take him at his word indeed Christ died to save me, this I read And in my heart I find a need Of him to be my savior That he would leave his place on high And come for sinful man to die You counted strange, so once did I Before I knew my savior my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God is always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God is always gonna be. Yes, living, dying, let me bring. My strength, my soul is from this spring. That he who lives to be my king. Once died to be my savior. That he would leave his place on high. And come for sinful man to die. You counted strength, so once did I. Before I knew my Savior. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God. 
is always gonna be my savior loves my savior lives my savior's always there for me my god he was my god he is my god is always gonna be i am not skilled to understand what god has willed what god has planned I only know at his right hand stands one who is my Savior. So with Doug introducing this new series on Jonah, we're going to introduce this new song to you called Give Me Faith. And the Lord put on my heart to read through the words before Chloe sings them. I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life. Can't read without crying. All I am, I surrender. Give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I am broken inside. I give you my life. I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to pierce through the dark and cleanse every part of me. Because I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. My, my flesh may fail. My God, you never will.
flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. Cause I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. And my flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. Give me strength to trust what you Father, uh, we say amen to that. Uh, we do believe. Help our unbelief, O oh Lord. Lord, I thank you that you did what we would not in living a life of perfect obedience. I thank you that you paid what we could not, and that is the atoning price, the sacrifice for all sin, once for all time, for all who put their faith in you. And so now, Lord, as we continue to worship you in your word, I pray that what we do not know, you would teach us, that what we cannot see, you would show us, and that what we are not yet, you would use these moments to make us, that we might reflect your glory to a world that needs to see a God who loves and gave himself for it. Lord, and I pray all this in the power of the Spirit, and in the name of, above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, amen. Would you please stay standing for the reading of the word? We can do this, people. a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the, to the Lord and his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out to you in my distress, the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for your help in the depths and in the shoal. You heard me, you heard my voice, for you, you had cast me into the deep and into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me in all your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. The water encompassed me to the deep point of death, and the great death deep engulfed me, and seaweed were wrapped around my head, and I descended to the roots of the mountains, and the earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought me up, up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in the holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake, the, forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which i have vowed and will will pay salvation from is from the lord and then the lord commanded the fish to vomit jonah onto dry land amen that's the word of the lord now you rocked it good job buddy well done you may be seated thank you guys for that while you guys are finding your spot and getting situated for the message i just want to ask a question do you ever look around in the world, especially now, and wonder what in the world God is doing? 
Like seriously, like I mean, if if there hasn't been a time in my life over the last eight months or so where I haven't like wondered what God, what are you doing? And and are you losing control? Um, did you know that there is a God who's still in control of everything that you see going on, including what's going on in the political world and and in the nations? And did you know that Jonah is such a great book for us to be in during this time for that very reason? That Jonah lived at a time when the world's superpower was Assyria. They were these. They were the Ninevites. Nineveh was the capital of the of, of Assyria. They they were they were some of the most ruthless people on the planet. But they were not out of God's sovereign control. In fact, what happened is how how God's people got to this place where Jonah needed to go to them is that after they became a nation, after Moses gave them the law, and Joshua led them into the promised land. When the generation of Joshua died, there were people who did not continue to pass on their faith to their children. And so people started to do, now listen, like, as if we need, like, I I don't even need to ask the question, do you think this is what's going on in our nation now and in the world? What happened to God's people was they began to do what was right in their own eyes. That's what the book of Judges tells us. So then they raised up some kings, and they had a time of prosperity when David was king, and the kingdom was expanding. But of course, after, king, after David dies, the kingdom starts to divide up, and, and God starts to send the prophets. And that's the time that we're in now in Jonah. So you have people who are like Elisha, who was alive after Elijah, who was, who was a contemporary of Jonah. You have some prophets that come after Jonah, like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, like Daniel. What happened during that time, though, is none of this time, and even God's people in rebellion, or at the very, the nicest way to maybe phrase it, is reluctant, reluctantly being led by him, is God is raising up soup other nations to come against his people. Assyria did not on their own decide they wanted to attack God's people. God caused it to happen. And, and here's the thing, and, and, and here's why it matters in, 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 the, in the cultural moment we're in. When, we're, when you're looking around at what's going on in our nation and in the world, we cannot forget that God has always been in control of the nations. He doesn't just deal with Christian people. He deals with all people. There is no heart too hard for him, and there is nobody on this planet that is some rogue warrior. In fact, when he gets done with Assyria, this is after Jonah dies, Assyria comes and attacks and, and, and captures um, Jerusalem in 722 B.C. But he gets done with, with Assyria, and he wants to raise up another man. You may have heard of him. When we went through the Revelation in Daniel, we talked about Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon. God raised him up to go and attack the Assyrians. And years later, when God wanted his people to return to the land and go to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, guess what God did? He raised up another superpower. Over a few hundred years, he raised up the Persian Empire. And King Cyrus, who, oh, by the way, God prophesies about hundreds of years before he even is born, Cyrus, a pagan. He wasn't a believer. God says, you're the man who's going to let my people go back to my place. Why does any of that matter? Because, guys, we have to constantly, 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 constantly remind ourselves, God's got this. 
God is in control. We, it does not absolve us from our own sin in it. It does not mean we shouldn't pray about it. It doesn't even mean that when we live in a representative republic, we, better, we ought to vote and vote biblically. And I'll be talking more about that as we go on in the next few weeks. But guys, we ha- in all of that urgency that you see Fox News promoting has to be filtered through the truth that God is in control. Guys, we cannot walk away from those moments going, like throwing up in the toilet because we're so sick. To, to do that is to say, God, you are not in control anymore. Again, does not mean we don't stand up for what's right. It does not mean we don't vote our biblical conscience. It does not mean any of those things. What it does mean is we put first things first, and God is in control. And when we wring our hands, and when we post on Facebook, just like everybody else does, we are sending a message that says we have no faith in a God who is all-powerful. And, and we just, it's just got to stop. It's just got to stop. And I know I've already annoyed and alienated some of you, and, and that was not my goal, but it is to wake you up a little bit. Because what we say as believers matters a ton, because we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And I would ask you to go back to your Facebook feed or your Twitter account or whatever it is you do on social media, and I would ask you to say, picture Jesus standing over your shoulder looking at what you've just posted and see if he's okay with that. I'll just leave that there. Guys, one of the things we have to answer, we have to talk about, and so let's get back to Jonah. When, we, when we're opening up a book of the Bible, I talked about this last week, we have to ask, why is this book in the Bible? Why did God inspire this book to be kept for us to read? This is not a story about getting a prophet to go to Nineveh and do what he's told. Right? God could have sent Elisha, who would have probably done a much better job and been way more powerful. Right? He could have said, all right, Jonah, you're out. This is a story of grace. This is a story of a God who pursues even the most rebellious people. And we're going to see that today in Jonah's life, and we're going to see it next week. Lord willing, in the lives of the Assyrians. This is about a God who wants to get his people back on mission. Right? This is about a God who is not interested in getting his tasks done because he can do them without us. We are not doing Jesus a favor when we're doing kingdom work. We are just partnering with the one who has given us everything. Right? So, so we got to get that idea out of our mind. He is interested in getting you and I into glory looking like Jesus. And one of the ways God does that is by getting us busy about the kingdom work. You know who, you know who the people are that, that seem to be the most, like just through all the chaos that's going on in the world, and, and not just this time over the last eight months, but other times too, even in their marriages, in their families, in their relationships, the people that just seem the most like, like cranking along with the Lord are the ones that are just doing His will. They're the ones that are on mission for Him. You know why? Because they don't have time to get into ridiculous arguments. If you're busy about the business of God, you don't have the time to post all that stuff on Facebook or to read all those articles about the conspiracy theories. Right? Because you're just busy doing what Jesus wants you to do. So if you want a good distraction from all that, just get busy about what Jesus wants you to do. And it'll help distract you from the chaos that is happening in our world. Guys, God does not save Jonah today through the fish that Naya just read. He doesn't save Jonah because he's trying to use Jonah. He saves Jonah because he's pursuing Jonah. 
for Jonah's good. Right? He could have let Jonah drown. Right? The fish is an instrument of grace. Jonah could be dead. And one of the things we have to come to grips with as, as New Testament believers, or not even come to grips with, we need to embrace, is if you don't have a big fish in your life, like if you don't have the, the fish slapping, like, now that i got veggie tails in my head now, but if you, don't have the, if you don't have that discipline of the Lord in your life when you're trying to, then you need to question whether you're really his. If, you're, if Jonah runs from God and God does nothing and drowns, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah at the bottom of the ocean has got to be going, maybe I really wasn't a follower of God. Because who the Lord loves, he disciplines. In Hebrews chapter 12, he says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to us children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. I don't give up, when, and don't give up when he corrects you, like as you get swallowed by a fish. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one he accepts as a child. Guys, this is the New Testament. This is Jesus. This is grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. He disciplines and punishes his children. Why? Because that's what good parents do. And we know this. You go in the grocery store and you see a parent that's not doing that. Or you see some teenagers that are just completely running amok. And you're like, where are your parents? Why didn't they plant the board of whatever on the seed of whatever and like teach you some discipline? That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And he goes on, but get this. He says, if God doesn't discipline you as he does his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really children at all. That, if you're running from the Lord, like you profess him as Lord and Savior, but you know you have this ongoing sin in your life and, and there is nothing happening to you about it for an extended period of time. In other words, you're not experiencing any discipline or hardship. That verse is telling you you are not his. Not, I didn't say it. God said it. You are an illegitimate child. So on that good news, let's talk about the message, because we're already way behind today. Today's message, in light of that passage and what Jonah's going to experience is, sometimes God puts us in a place where we have nowhere to turn but up. We have nowhere to turn but up. And the question that we're going to answer is, what does God have to do in your life? And my life to get us to cry out to God. What, is, what discipline, what circumstances, what, what pressure cooker moment does God have to place in your person to get you to finally look up to him and cry out to him? And the path that we're going to be in, we're in chapter 2 of Jonah, so you can find it. Jonah's a little bit hard to find. Hopefully you've got a marker in it from last week. It's after the big prophets of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel kind of in the early part of all the little, the 12, what they call minor prophets. But in Jonah chapter 2, we're going to look at, the, the passage is going to show us that sometimes God creates songs in the night, like dark times, to make us desperate for his light and remind us of what's right. That's what, that's what is going to happen to Jonah, and we're going to see that. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. Actually, we're going to pick it up in verse 1, verse 17. It says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Now, all, all right away, people are going, you know, people have read that, this, and, and this is about, in around the late 1800s, early 1900s, this was when not taking the Bible literally, like as a literal historical, like fact, not just a story, is when that started to happen, and this was one of the places they went. They said, see, this whole idea about this fish and Jonah in three days, I, 
I'm not going to take any time to address that other than to say, as a man who was a God-mocking atheist for the first 25 of my 51 years, I just got to tell you, even then, I never doubted that if there is a God, and if he really could create everything like you Christians think he could, then he could make a fish do whatever he wanted it to do. Right? Like, like, like there's th- that argument of, or, or the sun can't stand still in the sky, because don't you know what would happen to the world? If God caused the sun to stand still so that they could fight the battle in the book of Joshua. Guys, the God who put the sun in the sky, if you believe that, can do whatever he wants. The, the scientific laws that, I'm a chemistry science geek. I mean, I knew them all once, right? The scientific laws that we use to describe the creation he made, he's in charge of, not us. So, with that, we just have to remember that that ultimate, but, but, here's, but here's why it does matter as New Testament believers, and why you can't just, with your friends, to help them feel better about the Bible, you can't just go, well, maybe that Jonah story didn't really happen. Because as believers, we can't say that. You know why? Because Jesus said it happened. Right? Je- Jesus read and believed the Old Testament. Just as the Son of Man, or just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be three days in the belly of the earth. Unless, unless you believe that Jonah, this real, what we're going to see today really happened to Jonah, Jesus is either lying or he's wrong. And either one of those doesn't make him our Savior anymore. Right? So, by, by the way, in, in our D group readings this week, for those of you that are doing them, hopefully there's, there's, I hope there's still more of these hanging out. We just, we started into the Gospel of Matthew. One of the readings this week was Jesus gets baptized, and he's led, interestingly enough, by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. How does Satan tempt him? What does Satan use? The Word of God. How does Jesus every single time combat Satan? The literal word of God. It struck me when I was reading it this last week. I thought to myself, well, one, I I saw that, that, if you've seen the the, the Narnia movies, the first one, there's a scene in the Narnia where where the the witch, I don't know what her name is, doesn't matter, the the wicked witch is walking up to Aslan, who is the the lion, and he's representing Jesus, and she's about, she's trying to barter for the life of one of those, like, completely clueless kids, and, and, yeah, that one, and, um, and he, she starts to quote the law to him. She starts to quote the law to the figure that is supposed to be like Jesus. And I get goosebumps. I got goosebumps just sitting there reading it because in that great Liam Neeson voice that they used for the lion, he says, don't quote the dark magic to me, woman. I was there when it was written. And I think to myself, Jesus, in the midst of that wilderness, of being in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan all that time, he could have just looked at Satan and said, don't quote the word to me, Satan. I was there when it was written. But you know what he says? He says, be gone, Satan, for it is written. And he quotes Deuteronomy three times. The literal word of God is where the power is. And Jesus shows us that, and that's why we need to believe it for what it is, and that's why we need to be in it every day. So with that, I'll get back off my soapbox, and we'll keep going. So today's question, we haven't even got to our first point yet. What does it take to get you to cry out to God? First of all, songs in the night. So let's look at Jonah's song in the night, verses 1 through 3. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. 
And he said, I called out in my distress, O Lord, and he answered me. I cried out for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice, for you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me, and all the breakers and billows passed over me. Let me ask you a question. Did God really cast Jonah into the deep? Like, practically speaking, did God, I mean, I know God is sovereign over everything. Let's set that aside for a second. So, I mean, you trace anything back far enough, you can say God. But I'm saying, like, in the moment that we were in last week, did God cast Jonah into the deep? Who did? Sailors. One, two, three, here you go, prophet. Who told him to? Them to. Jonah. Jonah cast Jonah into the deep. He's blaming God. God didn't do this. Jonah, Jonah ran from God. Jonah told the sailors to cast him into the deep. It's just, it's crazy how we can do this to God all the time. Even when he forces us into one of these deep, dark, like dark nights of the soul. The songs of the night. Right? But here's the beauty of it. Just like in Genesis 50, 20. Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers. Right? He's, he becomes the print, like the, the second in command of all of Egypt. His brothers finally come. I'm really fast forwarding through this story. There's like chapters and chapters at the end of the book of Genesis. And he looks at his brothers and he says, am I not right where God put me? He says, what you meant for evil, God is turning for good. And that's the same thing that's happening here with Jonah. He's saying, like God is going to say to Jonah, what you, Jonah, what you meant for evil, I'm going to turn for good. Now, now we're not going to get there for a few weeks, but that's okay. God uses even our rebellion to keep his story moving forward. We're the ones that miss out when we're rebellious. So, so, so don't feel like, oh, that's good, because that means I can be rebellious. Again. No, guys, we lose. Right? He, he, God isn't like, oh, no, I did, I did not see Doug doing that. What am I going to do now? He, he's never in that place. He is always, but, but if I don't do what he wants me to do, if I'm not walking in the will of God, then I'm the one missing out, not him. Psalm 18, I'm not going to have you turn there. Um, Brian had us open there last week. But Psalm 18, if you want to take a note, write it down. Psalm 18, the first few verses are such a great picture of this. That sometimes God places us in hard places so that we will cry out to him. On purpose. God, we talked about this last week. All of this was God. The storm was God. The lots being cast on Jonah was God. The fish was God. All of this was God sent it. Right? It wasn't God allowed it. God caused it. And whether we want our God to be like that or not, that's the God he is. And we need to be okay with that because we have to trust him enough to go, but he is doing all of that for Jonah's eternal good and God's glory story. And he's going to get both of those in the end, at least we believe about Jonah. So, it's, so let's keep going. What does it take to get you to cry out to God? First of all, God's going to put you in dark places, songs of the night, to make you desperate for his life. That's our second point. So look at the next few verses. Verse 4. So I said, so this is Jonah still talking, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look upon, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. You can almost hear Jonah gasping for air. 
right? He's in the pit of this, he's in the belly of this fish. I mean, I get it. Like, I don't even like the ocean. We go to the ocean, we're blessed to get to stay at a place near in San Diego. So, like, like, the girls will tell you. Like, if I get in over my ankles, that's a lot. Because there are things out there that want to hurt me. Right? Like, seriously. And I just have no interest. I mean, we got, you know, Chris is back there. She's swimming across coves. I'm like, oh, look at the sea lion. You know what is around where sea lions are around? Sharks. I'm like, well, what, that, you are, yeah. She's like, yeah, I trust my God. I get it. I get it. Okay. I understand. Like, I can almost hear Jonah like, <gasps> like, like, like he's in a tight spot, obviously. Like, like nothing we've ever been in. But, but we can get in those places. And oftentimes, even in those places, not necessarily turn to him. But how did Jonah get there? He stopped listening to the Lord. How did Jonah get in the stomach of the fish? If you trace it back, ultimately, it goes back to chapter 1. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah went the other direction. He stopped listening to the Lord. And guys, that is an epidemic in the church today. I've used these statistics before, so I'm just going to put them up quickly. It says, I've, I've, I don't remember when it was, it was over a year ago maybe now, but, but it was talking about how daily reading God's word impacts your life. When you read scripture one time a week, which includes being at church on Sunday, so today, there's almost no impact about being in God's word. So just sitting here and having me feed you the word of God all by yourself, honestly, all by itself is better than nothing, but will have very little impact on your day-to-day living throughout the week. That's what, that's what the, the surveys and the studies have shown. When we read scripture two times a week, in other words, one day by yourself and one day at church, that, that barely moves the needle either. When you read it three times a week, there was starting to show, like people were starting to respond with these questions that they asked on these surveys in a more positive way. But it was when they were in the Word four or more times a week that the needle really moved. That all of a sudden, look, here's the results. The feelings of loneliness dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Feelings of spiritual stagnation dropped 60%. Areas of sin, like pornography, etc., dropped 62%. Now that, now, that was like pre-COVID, all that stuff. Fast forward. I sent out, I texted to many of you. I don't know, half of you don't get my text, half of you do. I posted it on our Facebook page, an article that was just recently put out about the impact that this shutdown has had on people's daily Bible reading. So prior to COVID, the church, people in the church, that were, these, are, these are people that are saying, not just saying I'm a believer, I'm a church-going follower of Jesus Christ who reads my Bible regularly. 13.7% of all people who are in that category were reading their Bible every day. 13%. That was prior to COVID. Now, it's below 9. It's like 8.5. So 8% of the people that attend church regularly actually read their Bible on their own. When When I sent that article out, Daniel Sidler sent me a text almost immediately back right after he read the article and he said this and this just hit me it was i thought it was worth sharing this i didn't even ask him permission this makes me feel so sorry brother this makes me feel like a punch in the stomach it literally makes my heart ache it's like watching people suffocate but watching them choose not to breathe rather fitting for our story today too right if, if, we're not, if, we are, if we're choosing not to be in God's word, it's not like we have it kept from us. This isn't China, right? If, if you're choosing not to be in God's word, it's like you're holding your breath and suffocating and you don't even know it. The author of the, 
of the um, article said this, and these are just a few quotes. When people engage less with the local church, they engage less with their Bibles. The people of our congregations form a cloud of witnesses testifying to the power of the word in the hands of the spirit. So So she was explaining, here's why the numbers are dropping. Here's why fewer people even now are in the Word than they were before. Because the pri- private Bible reading depends more on other people than you may realize. Because especially, which is, this article just came out, but it was real confirmation for where we're going and what we're trying to do with these D groups. Because if we're all reading the same thing, we can have, a, we can have the same conversation. Hey, what did you see in that passage today? Hey, this week, what did Ma- like in Matthew, what did, what did God hit you with? There's a collective encouragement in addition to the collective witness. Daniel also sent me this. The Bible is God's word, infallible, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient. And I should gobble it up like honey and treasure it like a stack of gold coins. But on my own, I can drift into acting like the Bible is just like any other book. Nice, but not essential. And by the way, all of these slides, on my, they, they come up on our church's Facebook page. So if you have not liked or followed our church's, if you want to like get these and go, you're trying to take pictures or have just... Of this week, you're going to see them again if you, if you are on Facebook, just so you know, or Twitter, too. So. so, what do we do when God puts us in one of these cold, dark nights of the soul? What does God do when he places us in a place where we're going to cry? We're either going to turn to him or we're not. And I'm just going to quickly share a story in my own life. Some of you have heard this before. It was 17 plus years ago. Right? At that point, I've been walking with the Lord for, I don't know, six or seven years. I've been journaling in the Bible, reading in, in the Bible for about three years. And I had some pretty serious back issues. I've always had back problems, but this time it was different, and, and it wasn't going away, and it was brutal. And that year, it was the, it was the year Emma was born, and it was, so, so here we have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a two-week-old. I couldn't pick her up out of her crib. I couldn't help the girls get dressed. Terry, who's trying to take care of these three little girls, is also having to help me put my shoes on. I was taking about 20 Advil a day. I had gone to the chiropractor over 100 times that year. I was doing everything I could think of just to survive and keep my job, and I was incredibly depressed. I would be driving down the freeway in my truck, and I would think to myself, literally, I would think to myself, take your seatbelt off and drive your car into the embankment because your family would be better off without you. That's what dark nights of the soul can do to you. And I went upstairs, and I sat on the edge of my bed, and I was just weeping, going, God, what did I do? And I heard him say to me, where have you been? Where have you been? And I went back down the stairs, and I went over, and I found my, I'm like, I found my journal, and I picked it up, and I, and I opened it up, and this was on August 3rd of 20, 2003, and my last journal entry had been in April. He's like, where have you been? So I open up my Bible. I'm like, Lord, okay, I don't, I, don't, I don't even want to be with you right now. But I open up my Bible, and it fell open to our calling passage, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my groaning are the, are the words of my deliverance. I cry by day, and I have no rest. I cry, I, I cry by day, I cry by day, but I do not hear you. I cry by night and have no rest. And then verse 3, yet you are holy. In fact, I'm just going to turn there real quick so Jesse can confirm that I'm not lying Right there, what, do you see that word? What's around it? A box. You know why? Because I sat there on my couch, and I literally, as I was sitting there on my couch with all these pillows behind me, I literally went like this. Because that three-letter word came out of my Bible and hit me right in the forehead. God was like, Doug, where, 
get your eyes off of yourself and get them back onto me. That was more than 17 years ago, and I have not missed a day in God's word since then. You know why? Because when God will put you in one of those dark nights of your soul, you don't ever want to go back there. Right? And that was what God used in my life. It's what God used in the, in the life of the guy who wrote Psalm 22. And it's, oh, by the way, what God used in the life of the one who cried out from the cross, Psalm 22. He put him in a dark night of the soul. And for the one time in his eternal existence, Jesus was separated from his father. And he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Guys, it is important that when we get placed in these places, we turn to the right place. Your table talk question talks about this. It says, you have walked with the, if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, you've been put in a place where you didn't feel you had any hope and nowhere else to turn. How have you seen God show himself strong in those times? I know we're over time. I don't care. I think it's important for you to take just a couple of minutes and at your table, just somebody share a story. If you've been walking with the Lord, do you have one of those stories like I just shared? Maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's a little thing. But take a couple of minutes and talk about when was there a time that you felt like you were just, like you and God were like this, and God did a movement in your life to bring you back together. Go.
sorry that I'm going to cut our time short a little bit. Just um, hopefully you can keep that conversation going over lunch, after church, um, in your home, depending on who you're sitting with. Um, but but I would encourage you, like, there's real power in sharing your story. Because I don't share that story of my journey in that to, to, say, to say anything other than if God can work in my life, he can work in anyone's life. Right? Like, like there's not, there's, there is nothing special about Doug. Genuinely. There's, there's nothing different about me than you if you're a child of God and I'm a child of God. I know I am. If you are too, God will work in your life the, in different circumstances the same way. Share the story. Because that's part of what he was... I, I, I'm, part of why I share it is because, and I share it not just publicly like this, but privately with other people, is because I believe that's part of what God wanted for me. He, he wants me to share that. He wants me to help people see that there's a God in heaven who is living and active and really, like, intimately acquainted with the details of your life. He's not just some far-off God who spoke to you a few years ago. He is still speaking. So, today's question, what does it take to get you to cry out to God? He's got to put you in some hard places. When he does, he wants you to see like his light is the only way out. Because that will remind you of what is good and what is right in the world. And ultimately, that's where Jonah tries to get. So look at where it goes in Jonah chapter 2 verse 7. We're gonna, and believe it or not, it's going to kind of wrap this thing up and we're going to go into our time of response. It says, while I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in the holy temple. When he says I, that word I there actually means my inner self my soul. So he's not just sort of casual. He's saying like when, when everything in me was dying, I remembered the Lord. Well, here's a question. What if he'd have remembered the Lord before he ran? Right? What if, what if that had said, when I heard the news I didn't want to hear from God, I remembered God and came to him. We'll come back there. Then look what it says in verse 8. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Because it sounds almost like he's genuinely repentant, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like Jonah gets it? Man, I will pay. I will pay. I, may, I cried out to God. I will pay what I need to pay. What, wasn't he one of the people in verse 8? Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. Wait a minute, Jonah. Your idol was safety. Understandable, these people crucify people. Security. Your idol was prejudice. Those people don't deserve your forgiveness. He actually says that later. We're going to see it in a few weeks. And yet, this is, this is as I've been reading through this and meditating on this for a long time prior to this series even starting, I'm thinking to myself, jo Jonah sounds genuinely sorry. He's not. You know what he's sorry about? He's sorry that he got caught. He's sorry for the situation he's in. He is not sorry for being rebellious to God. But what if? What if when God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the understandable, like, I don't want to go there. No way, God. No way, no way, no way, no way. What if instead he'd have gone... I need to take this to the Lord. I need to, I need to say, Lord, are you serious? Like, really? I need to have a conversation before I, make, before I take action. And instead, he just took action, gets caught, and now he feels bad about it. But guys, 
How often do we do that? How did Jonah get here? He, just like he neglected obeying the word of God, he neglected prayer. If he'd have prayed right when he got the word, instead of now in the fish, he would have saved himself a ton of trouble. Right? But, but he forgot to or neglected praying. And I think this is one of the biggest obstacles we have to fulfilling the, the mission Christ has us on. We do not want to just sit and listen for the Lord. Part of why people don't want to do the D-group reading or they don't want to be in God's Word every day is, honestly, we're afraid He might just say something we don't want to hear. He might just tell us to go to Nineveh. And then what do we do? So the easy thing is, tune him out, drown him out. As soon as I get in my car, put on the, put on the radio. Because then, man, th- th- that, that, now I'm listening to that voice instead of the potential that he might actually bring something into my, into my conscience and have a conversation with me. And we do that all the time. We are a plugged-in generation. And I'm not talking about just the young people, people. All of us, all the time. Right? Walk around a restaurant when you actually should eat in restaurants. And like you look and you watch and see what people are doing. Look and see how many people are constantly having earbuds in their ears. Why? Because we want, the enemy wants us to drown out the voice of God. Guys, prayer is believing. So, So get this, write this down. Prayer is believing that God is there. When you pray to him, you're, you, are, you are in that moment saying, God, I know you're there, and that he hears, and that he responds. Okay, so that is what part of why prayer, that's part of why we wanted to make prayer such a bigger part of our, our Sunday gathering. Is in those moments, we are believing God is hearing what's going on here in a very tangible way. We, okay, so the writer of Hebrews says this, without faith, Without believing that God is there, it is impossible to believe, to, to believe God. Because those who come to God must believe that He is. That He exists. And that He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. We, if, if we don't, when, when you come to Him in prayer, you are, you are probably at like no other time in your daily walk, you're coming to Him going, I know you're there and I know you listen, and oh, by the way, I know you respond, because look at verse 10, and we wrap it up with this. Then the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up out of the dry land. Did God hear Jonah's prayer? Yeah. Did God respond to Jonah's prayer? Yeah. Is this the answer Jonah wanted? No. And we'll get there next week. This is not, I guarantee you, Jonah was not a happy camper when he got spit up, and he gets sent again, which we will see next week. As the music team comes up and the people that are going to be handing out the trays for our our time of response to communion come up to pass those out, Brian Tootin is going to lead us through communion after our song of response. But but I just want to kind of remind you of of the fact that if, if we're not listening to the Word of God and we're not coming to Him in prayer, how in the world are we walking with Jesus? If we're not... In the word of God, and we're not coming to him in prayer, how in the world are we walking with Jesus? I talked about this last week. I'm sure it will come up throughout the series. We all want Matthew 28, verse 20. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But But how can we be with Jesus if we're not on his mission, reading his word, and talking to him in prayer? 
Because it's the lo I am with you is directly connected to the go and make disciples. There is no lo I am with you without the go thee therefore. It's like I said earlier, if, 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 if your marriage is, 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 a, is in a mess or your kid, your family's in turmoil, I, you know what? One of the best antidotes is to be on mission for Christ because you won't have time for the rest of that nonsense. Get into the lives of other people for the gospel and watch what he does. It's right before he says, go therefore make disciples and lo, I'm with you. He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been granted to me. All authority has been granted to me in heaven. You know, that's, you know what he's saying? This is Jesus. He's getting ready to leave. He says, all authority everywhere, all the time is mine. Here's the question. Do we believe it? Do we really believe he has all authority everywhere all the time? Do we really believe that he has control over everything that's going on in our nation, everything that's going on in the world, and everything that's going on in your living room? All authority. All means all. But do we live like it? Are we living out the mission like we really believe that? Or is it just like, is he just sort of this little thing we tack on to the beginning or end of our day or for a couple hours on a Sunday so we can feel better about our walk with Jesus? Let me pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the truth that you are a sovereign God and that you are a redeeming God and you are a pursuing God. That from the beginning you have been telling a story from the time we rebelled, and every time we rebel, you tell a story of redeeming, pursuing, and renewing grace. But we have to step into that moment. So Lord, as we respond to what we have heard and everything from our prayer time to your word, Lord, I want to pray that you would continue to just flesh that junk out of our hearts. The things that we have put in the way. The, the stuff that consumes our time and our energy. The sin that grieves the Holy Spirit and is an affront to a living God. I pray that we would bring it to your cross. That we would find our victory in communion with you. That we would claim your authority over our lives. For your glory alone, in Jesus' name, amen.
this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea through it all through it all my eyes are on you through it all through it all it is well through it all through it all my eyes are on you and it is well 
During our prayer time, I was calling out on the Lord and just asking him to humble me and break me like Jesus as he's walking to the cross. And I'm, I'm holding on her and we're just walking and I don't have it in me. But I can ask that he make me like Jonah and give me the opportunity to be broken and humbled and be used. He can do that for all of us. Jesus is the perfect Jonah. Jesus went into the grave he stayed there for three days. And then he came back with a story to tell. And unlike Jonah, he paid the price while he was there. So we are here to remember what our Savior did for us. This is a covenant renewal ceremony. We partake of these elements to remember what Jesus did and ask him to do the impossible in our life. Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. Father God, I give you glory, honor, and praise for your body that was broken unto death for my sin. Take and eat. Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks, Lord Jesus, Father, thank you for the blood that was poured out for me. You intentionally walked that path and you are my example. So make me just like you. Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you that you are everything, so I don't have to be anything because I carry you with me. You are my righteousness. I'm able to walk in forgiveness of sin. I'm able to invite others into the freedom of Christ. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing over our church. Thank you what you are about to do in our nation but it starts with humbleness and repentance. So Lord, make us all like Jonah. Bring us to the place we need to be so we cry out to our God 
and heal our land. Allow us to go back into Nineveh and preach. Thank you, Lord. In the message today, Doug said something to the effect of he uses even our rebellion to progress his story. And Paul writes about this in Romans. He says, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And he used the Israelites' hard hearts to crucify his son, which brought salvation to us, to those of us that are Gentiles. So Paul writes, so I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to us so as to make Israel jealous. So does that mean we should rebel against our God? By no means. He continues, now if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Don't rebel against God. No, he will continue and finish his purpose no matter what you do but he's inviting you into his will to follow with him to to obey him and be a blessing to many so let us rejoice in the salvation he's brought to us and let us bring it to others and enter into the story that he is writing so isn't it cool that god gives us a piece of heaven here on earth with what's going on here from the time i got here until now God's just been speaking to my heart it's been so cool and, and, and the whole time I'm looking at my watch going okay but we need to move to the next thing or move to the next thing but God's going no I'm, I'm working and as I look out I see lots of you that God's working on so as we sing this song of celebration it's unstoppable God it's an exciting fun song sing it with power because if you have the Lord in your heart, you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. You've got that unstoppable God inside of you. And if you still need prayer, if you still need anything, come talk to me, come talk to Doug, come talk to any of us. We would love to, to pray over you and, and talk with you about what the Lord's doing in your heart. And you can stand with us. You'll probably want to as, as we sing. Jesus has overcome 
mercy triumph when the third day dawned. Darkness was denied when the sun was gone. Impossible, God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable, nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable, we'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable, unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. A few announcements. I'm really excited about this one. We're having our 10th annual all-church retreat. This October 17th and 18th, it's in a new location in Prescott Pines. There's going to be plenty of room to spread out, but we need 150 people to sign up to make sure that we get it all to ourselves. So if you haven't signed up, sign up today and tell everyone else that you know about it as well so they can sign up. Be sure to get into your D group reading plan. It was a blessing um, to my family uh, to meet with the Tunes this week and do the D group with them and make sure that you are doing that. Are you serving Jesus by serving his bride? It's a great way to get to know people. And as Doug said this week, that if you're doing that and you're busy about God's work, then you're not going to be distracted with all the junk that's going on in the world right now. Next week, the message is going to be on caught and converted by a God who cares. And our sending passage is in Psalm. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Amen. Be blessed this week. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done.